0: let's talk about what makes up uh, a church. I mean, let's, let's try to become missionaries for a little bit or uh, church planters, or let's at least think from the perspective of the theology of a, of a church and, and what it is that you have to have in order to plant a local church. What is it that makes a local church, a local church? Um, Essential components. What, I, do you, what do you leave behind?
1: Well, I'd say the first essential component is Jesus. <laughs> you know, you got uh, to have Jesus, uh, yeah. which seems like it might be simple, but uh, at the same time, I mean, you definitely uh, need people who are in love with Jesus to even think about starting something that will be about Jesus. Yeah, okay. So I'd say that's the first foundation. Someone's like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a church. You'd say, okay, tell me about Jesus. Yeah. Tell me about your relationship with Jesus. because well, So, have so one,
0: then you're talking about the gospel, right?
1: Yeah, I'd say the gospel is the message about Jesus. So,
2: okay. Yeah, I think also we have to ask the question, because uh, you, you said plant a church. Well, let's think of it this way. Uh, if I'm going to plant a rosebush, um, I put whatever it is in the ground that needs to emerge as a rosebush. And would I say that it's a rosebush yet? No, it's in seed form. So are we talking about what are the necessary elements at the very beginning of a local church, or are we talking about a fully formed local church? Because there's progress, there's development, there are certain things that you may, for example, a church plant may not have a plurality of elders. It may just have one individual who is the only qualified leader at that time, but we would still probably call it a church, but we would not call it a fully formed New Testament church. So we need to even think about degrees of growth and development and maturity. Well, maybe maybe we can put it this way, and maybe we can get to those essential components
0: before it becomes it. But I'm thinking in terms of, um, well, was it John Calvin who said that as long as you have the preaching of God's Word and the administration of the sacraments, you have a local church. I, is that true? Preaching of God's Word? Necessary. Administration of the sacraments? Necessary. Is there anything else or... Do we subtract one of those and say, no, that's that's an overstatement. You don't have to have the sacraments. And when we talk about sacraments as Protestants, we're talking about baptism and the administration of the Lord's table. But in this case, you would say that if you're at a church and John Calvin's watching and you do not administer the sacraments, then you are not a local church.
1: Well, and I think you know John Calvin is—I love him. He's He's highly intelligent, but ultimately— Scripture is what we're looking to, and I think John Calvin is saying that uh, one of the reasons, based on Acts two forty-two, I believe, where it says, "And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which you could say that's preaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers." So, so you know, if you say, "Well, prayers and fellowship are probably going to happen," but the the objective things that we can really look at here is preaching and the breaking of bread, which we'd say. Uh, I th- you can make a case that that's, that that's uh, communion. And so I think he's getting that from you know, what, is, what seems to be the lowest common denominator that we observe in Scripture of that appears
0: to be a functioning church. Let me throw a couple more pieces at the puzzle before we discuss this further. Uh, John Calvin would say those two. We've got another guy, William Booth. He I would... like how
1: you said John Calvin still, <clears throat> even though you could have said Acts 2, you know, but you just totally dismissed the comments I had just made. Well, I'm trying to go to a higher authority than you. John Calvin. But you're Mm -hmm. saying John Calvin is a higher... Because I'm speaking
0: scripture. He would say the same thing, so... Okay, whatever. (laughs) Okay, so William Booth would add one. He would say, not only do you have to have the preaching God's word, the administration of sacraments, although I'm not sure he'd put those exactly that way, but you have to have outreach. You have to have... Uh, it, social engagement to where the church is helping the the um, people around them in some way, and this would be something like you know uh, feeding feeding the poor or helping the poor and then you've got one more that you might add, and this is from a different person, but this would be preaching god 's word, ministration of the sacraments and and listen to this church discipline yep uh so some type of uh authoritative uh, not only figure or body, but an active, authoritative body that is uh, practicing their authority. So, from these perspectives, you subtract any one of these, you don't have a local church. And and I mean, think about that. There's a lot of churches around here that you could subtract one or two of these and wonder, is this a local church? Well, do you, in, in do you have fairness, have fellowship?
3: in fairness to John Calvin, uh, he's right, and most people would say that. Uh, JJ, you uh, didn't hear me at all either. Please say Acts two instead <laughs> of John Calvin. Church <laughs> Church discipline uh, is subsumed under the sacraments, right? So one of the steps in church discipline is often barring from the Lord's table. So, uh, you know, I would probably say, yeah, Scripture, sacraments, and church discipline. An easy way for you listeners that I I use for myself is the three S's: Scripture, the sacraments, and sanctification. We're, we're under God's word. We're being fed by it. It's our authority. We're uh, practicing baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we're growing in holiness. And part of growth in holiness, church discipline is the e-break of sanctification. It's, it's a part of growth in holiness.
1: But I think I would say I'm a little uncomfortable by us setting these up, because what makes me uncomfortable is the idea of somebody listening to this and then going down the street and saying, hey, guys, I want to inform you you're not officially a church. Uh, I know that for 60 years you guys have been meeting. I know that you've been doing this. But I noticed when I asked you what you do with church discipline and you say, well, you know, we just, we just don't, uh, you know, we know it's in the scripture. We just haven't done it. You say, man, you need, to, you need to shut down right now. You know, and I don't know. I'm a little nervous by doing that. Like, I mean, I think that there's room to show and to help lead someone into saying, like, "Hey, you should take church discipline a little bit more seriously. You need to start doing this. Um, it's healthy for your people." But to say, "I don't consider you a church anymore," even though that our, the community has been considering you a church for sixty years, makes me feel a little uncomfortable.
3: We're not saying they're not Christians, and that's a point Sam made yeah. earlier. We're ta- We're not talking about things that are necessary for salvation as much as asking what is Scripture commanding us to do. And the problem for most people is if something's not necessary for salvation, it becomes unnecessary <laughs> or yeah. unimportant. And yeah. so we're saying oh, these are things
2: that are very important. Well, And, I, and I, I think maybe we may need to make a distinction between absence and opposition. You, know, you can have a local church that uh, in which discipline is uh, relatively absent in the sense that they have not done it well. And it's not as if... You go in, you say, "Do y'all believe Second uh, Corinthians two and First Corinthians five and Matthew eight? You, you believe these are important instructions for how a church ought to function?" And I'm sure they say, "Well, of course." And then we said, "Well, have you done this consistently and over uh, over time?" They say, "Well, no, not really. We've we've kind of fallen short." But you're not opposed to it, no, no, no. We're not opposed to it. So you'll find churches of all sorts that are that lack, for example, evangelistic outreach. Uh, it's not that they're opposed to it; they just are falling short. They're sinful. They're just weak. They're uh, untaught, or um, there may be a, a variety of other. For example, uh, mutual accountability. You would assume that a church, being a gathering of people, are covenanted one with another in mutual relationships of mutual accountability. And you say to them, uh, just, hey, "Show me how that works in your local fellowship." And the pastor says, "Well, we don't do that very well." Well, that doesn't mean they're not a church, but if if I were to talk to a group of people and I said, now, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, you're against this, the celebration of the sacraments, you're opposed to evangelism, you don't like to worship, you, you really are opposed to to teaching the to Word to of preaching. God, yeah. you, you're opposed to any kind of formally constituted leadership, uh, you're opposed uh, to church discipline, then I'd say, and if they said yes, I'd say, you're definitely not a church. But... The fact that there are relative absence or inconsistency in these various ministries does not mean a group isn't a church, it just means it's less than a perfect church. So, you you are saying
0: then that a church, let's let's just take this and, and push this a little bit, a church that says, I'm not opposed to the sacraments, we just haven't really ever
2: done it. Yeah, well, I'd say, why? Do you believe the New Testament mandates this? And if they said, no, I don't believe it does, then we'd probably sit down, let's open the text and see. And I think you could lead them into truth. Well, what if you say, um, uh,
0: yes, but I think that people can do this at home on their own?
2: Or take, for example, uh, some denominations in which the communion is once a year, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Yeah. Uh, or even su- Southern Baptists are definitely churches, but you know, once a quarter uh, is what they do. I-, I would find that to be a very sub- sub-biblical approach to the, to the sacraments.
1: Well, but we have to remember, I mean, Jesus doesn't, he says, as often as you do this, right. do this and remember, I mean, so he, he says, basically, whenever you do it, do it this way, uh, but doesn't really give us, a, I mean, he only, correct me if I'm wrong, he only did it once, right? Um, and so, uh, um, you know, it Well, there, is, were, uh,
2: there were obviously reasons for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, he had an appointment <laughs> to so keep. a few yeah. things a few, happened hours, after <laughs> a few hours after his first celebration, <laughs> I think uh, something occurred.
3: And he did go ahead and put the next one on the calendar. He said, yeah. you know, the next yeah. time we have this meal together. Yeah. I well, well, guess there was, there
0: was
2: the sour wine that was given to him. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. The
3: Roman Catholics would say he does it all the time,
1: right? Well, that's probably true. But so, that's a different conversation. It, so
2: it seems like if we're trying to identify what constitutes a genuine, fully legitimate local church— we would want to read the New Testament. And granted, there is no text, as far as I know, which says, uh, here's the definition of a local church. Here are the uh, essentials, the, or the we call the scene, uh, that without which not. Yeah, it, it, We don't have a text like that. Um, so we look at all the descriptions of church life, and we derive from that a set of common characteristics. And the question is, what are they? And... For example, um, it would seem as if everywhere Paul talks about the church or any of the other New Testament letters, preaching of the Word of God. If there is no preaching of the Word, if there's no sense of of Scripture functioning as an authority to direct and guide this group of people, I, I would very much question whether that's a legitimate local church well and we
3: we've talked in the past when we talked about roman catholicism uh, about theology being a web and so again these things are connected it, it oftentimes when people hear us say church discipline it sounds tacked on the end like we're authoritarian or we like yelling at people and what they're not understanding is the sacraments communicate something <laughs> and so when someone strolls down the aisle after they were on a bender last night and takes the bread and says toot sweet you know thank you so much People are going to be confused. I thought this was something that Christians did, and I thought that that, that there was evidence of a changed life. So all these things are interconnected. And if you start to open up the Scriptures, they're going to start to tell you things about the sacraments. And then you'd have to ask yourself,
2: if Scripture's your authority, why isn't baptism happening? Okay, that's great. Let's come back to this point, though. Let's try to identify what are the essential characteristics. Is it possible to have a church, if you don't have its members or its folk, regularly gathering as a community, as an assembly? I think that'd be very hard, uh, given the fact that the word t- in the New Testament typically means assembly. Um, what if they, like we said, what if they didn't have the, the Word of God functioning in any capacity? What if they had no duly constituted or recognized leadership, whether it's a single elder, plurality of elders, bishop, or whatever? What if they refused and, or very rarely practiced either one of the sacraments, and that they, there was no belief in the necessity of church discipline. I would have a very hard time calling that collection of people a local church. It just simply doesn't meet the standards of what we see a local church to be in the New Testament. Well, one of you talk about the without which not. You've
0: you've given me a list of about 4 or 5 things but again taking away one of those things. Let's go back to the let's let's talk about the principles behind each one of these things. We talked about the preaching of God's word. Um, okay. It, uh, we we could go so far and say, well, what do you mean? Do you mean the expositional preaching of God's word where you're actually, you know, opening it up and going through it each week, or can we go to a liturgical system where there is the gospel in the sense of the tradition of the gospel found in some of the more traditional based churches where it's not really a preaching from God's word, it's just kind of this this uh, liturgy that goes through that uh, in in their own sense glorifies the gospel, whether it be through the incense or through the through the chanting or through the 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 whatever said even in a different language sometimes. I mean, how far do we go to where we say, okay, now it's being preached? I, I know we're not going to be able to decide that here, but you see the principles involved. It's not just okay, we got to have the preaching of God's word. Okay, well, we got to define that now. Where does it cross the line to where it's no longer preaching God's word? We got to have the fellowship of believers or gathering together. Okay, well, where does it cross the line to where they're no longer really gathering? I mean is it is it uh, internet churches? Can that be a gathering together? Uh, okay, we got to have authority. Okay, well, where do we cross the line where authority is actually being enacted? So it's a hard – I mean, it's yeah. not like once we define these principles, now we're done – Let's move on. Because with
1: preaching, too, then you get into, does it need to be a real live person? Or could you have someone preaching that's been dead for 30 years, you know? I mean, that's that you're playing a video or you're listening to audio of J. Vernon McGee or something, you know. I mean, there's – that brings up issues
3: as well. This for me, you know, I was sitting in a restaurant recently and I overheard a couple college students talking. And one of them said, man, you know, I'm not – I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm going to be the church. And the other guy said, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I picture myself in a coffee shop talking to a person. And we're not going to be talking about rules. I'm going to probably try to cast vision for them and say, let's take a step back and ask, what's the goal? Why did Jesus invent the church? Why did he construct it? What's its purpose? And then these conversations won't sound as though we're trying to set a fence line and, and, and fence things but we're trying to accomplish something. And then we start to ask ourselves what's going to help us accomplish that most effectively. You know, when I look at Titus one and Paul says, you know, if this guy's going to be a leader in the church, he needs to hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Okay. Why? So that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. So we can have big arguments over which kind of preaching you think is okay and what you can get away with. But the, it's going to be a productive conversation. You ask why preaching? Why scripture? Well, it says right here, he needs to be able to instruct people in sound doctrine. So if we hold that in our mind, then we ask, what are going to be the most effective ways to do that? Now we're having a conversation about accomplishing something, not about being a rule follower. So then we ask ourselves, if there's over 80 one another in commands in the New Testament, how do we best accomplish those? If Ephesians 4 tells us our goal is to build one another up in love so we attain full maturity in Christ, then we start asking ourselves, how best can we accomplish that? And I think that's why we
1: talked hey, about this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Too. I just okay, want to good. pause. Pause. That
0: was just some good stuff. It was good. But there's Sila.
1: That's probably the wisest see-la, stuff. Selah, JJ. That JJ's ever said, man. That was good.
0: Okay, let the listener process... <laughs> Listener, press pause if you need to, say a prayer. Okay, Tim. (laughs) I'll follow that up by less profound stuff. But
1: I think this is why we're talking about this, though, too, and why we say let's do a series on this is because every church planter, but not just church planters, I think every pastor really wrestles with, you know, who, who are we as a church? What are we supposed to be about? And I think that makes us pray. But I think one thing, we need to zoom out, and I think we all know this, but I think it's helpful too is that it's really important to talk about these things, but we we do it all out of this absolute love for the church though. And this is because we recognize that this is the bride of Christ. You know, this is not just something that's like, yeah, let's just get together and argue about the church. It's like, no, we're talking about this because we recognize we're talking about what Jesus loves. And that, so it's good to discuss these things, but to realize, you know, I mean, I wouldn't get together and say, hey, let's get together and slam Michael's wife, you know? And, you know, he's given so much for her he loves her dearly but let's like rip her to shreds you know uh, that would be a bad thing because you would rip me to shreds you know but uh, just with an overarching that we discuss these things because we absolutely
0: love the body of christ well that we're part i would of. say yes except for one thing you said that okay. that pastors or or churches it's not as if they haven't thought about these things. I would say that the majority of churches I'm, I I see out there just are going kind of with this flow. Probably established churches, I think. Yeah. I think church planters more, though, do wrestle Yeah, church planters, this. definitely. And, yeah. you know, missionaries and everything else and people who are deeply thoughtful. But sometimes you're just in this flow of things, and this is the way it's gone, and this is the yeah. way you grew up. And you do things exactly the way you saw them before without ever really thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, these questions about sacraments and church discipline and, and preaching of God's word. I mean, think about it this way. Let me give you guys a case study and let's just look at these individually. And I, again, I don't wanna judge any individual churches, but I just wanna look at this from a very definite standpoint to where we can have some defining characteristics. But let's say that you have a church where the people gather together physically. So I'm not talking about internet or, or video churches. They gather together physically. There is the preaching of God's word and it is an expositional preaching. It's very good expositional preaching. And whenever people come there, they sit together, they they sit in the pews, and they bring their Bibles, and they have meet and greet time. And then afterwards, everybody goes home. Okay, So you kind of have this gathering and then going home. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that there's there's not any definite or required interaction. There's not anything other than, hey, come hear me preach. Uh, A lot of times within my tradition, at least, I mean, as long as you have the expositional preaching of God's word, everything else, you know, we don't really care that much because you're such a good church because you preach the word so good. And you can have, well, who's your friends at church? Well, I sit by um, a guy named Paul every week, and he's great. But one time this jerk sat in my spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so well, what, do you, what do you do? And how, how, does you, how do you interact with your pastor? Well, I, I went up and shook his hand last week and said, great sermon. You know, and you, you, whenever I say that, there, there are a lot of churches that function that way. And it's especially from traditions such as mine because we elevate one aspect to the detriment of maybe some of these others. But then why I sit and I think about this, that if there's a church out there to where people are just coming, they sit down, and listen to a sermon, and go home, and let's say 99% of them at least don't have any other interaction with the church, then um, I, I ask the question, uh, is that... Church. What's the difference in that and me listening to somebody on the radio?
1: Well, I think that gets to what Sam so eloquently spoke about earlier, is that I would say it's a church, but it's not a perfect church. And it's needing a lot of growth in some key areas.
2: Okay. Well, you deny let me, let me put, let's put it this way. Let's get real concrete. Um, an inter-varsity chapter on a university campus, or crew, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ, has their weekly gatherings, Bible Study Fellowship, All right. Um, Young Life, Youth for Christ Clubs, Navigator. Uh, You have all of these gatherings of people who sit under the expositional teaching of God's word. They do it on a regular basis. They love one another. Are those local churches? If they're not, why not? Is it because they simply say, we don't call ourselves one. We don't want to be one. We don't want the other responsibilities that come with being a local church what what's the what are the bare minimal requirements the essential elements that we're looking at that would constitute a gathering of people that you just described Michael who sit under the scriptures and you know stand up and greet one another and then they go home what actually has to be there at least in seed form and its bare minimum at least maybe even only in terms of the commitment of the people to it maybe it isn't actually concretely present yet as for example duly constituted leadership. We have a gathering of people, but we don't have any that are calling themselves elders. But they believe that there should be, and they're praying that God would raise up elders. Do we say they're not a church because the elders aren't yet present? Um, Or maybe it's a a baptism. They believe in the practice of baptism, but they haven't had any new converts, and everybody, so there's been no opportunity to practice the sacraments. So what is it about, or let me give you another concrete example to bring this really to a head. Four guys who love each other and have been lifelong friends meet every Sunday morning at Starbucks at 8 a.m. And they bring their Bibles, and they drink coffee, and, or maybe they come to uh, Credo House and do it. Um, and uh, they, they read the Bible together, and they study, and one guy is responsible to teach that morning. And then after, at 9 o'clock, they drive over to the country club, and they have a tea time at 9.30. And then they finish out their fellowship on the golf course why are they not a local church or are they what's what what is it that's missing what is it that's present because there are a lot of people today who think that is a local church that is for them church you say are are you do you attend a church in town well no uh, not in the sense that you understand it, but uh, me and three other guys, are, 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 we're committed to, for life to each other, and we rebuke each other and hold each other accountable, and study the Word together, and then we go play golf and share stories about our families. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I maybe I am a member of a local church. Well, Sam,
0: and I don't think we're going to be able to answer that this broadcast, but let me extend that a little bit more just to say— this is, this is not just theoretical. This is kind of the mood of the church. When of you said, I'm going to be the church, you know, and, and a lot of people. And, and I, here's what I do. Before, before it sounds like I'm condemning this kind of new movement, I think this new movement is at least thoughtful. They're trying to think through what is church at a deeper level may not agree with them but they're not just going with the flow and that's one of the characteristics of kind of this emerging thing that at least i appreciate they're trying to be thoughtful but that's what's going on a lot of people are just getting together and they are having their fellowship time their bible study time their share time and saying why isn't this a local church well i think it is therefore it is and we are going to move forward in that direction and there's no reason to go to local churches anymore it's too traditional anyway the culture's against it they like jesus but don't like the church let's redefine church so it's a reimagine church i mean everything re that there is and then it comes down to this it comes down to this discussion okay well what do you have to have around this table at this coffee shop or maybe it can't be a coffee shop maybe you have to be in another building but that's the discussion that we're having
2: And what what must be in the hearts of the people in terms of their commitment one to another as well. Theology Unplugged is presented by the Credo House. For more information on the Credo House,
0: visit www.credohouse.org.